0: 62 asylum seekers given refuge in an Etobicoke church. Junior sea hockey player slashes another player's neck by stomping on his head with his skates. Hamas attacks Israel. Israel engages in collective punishment against Gaza. Canadian politicians line up to support Israel, and earthquakes hit Afghanistan, leaving nearly 3,000 people dead, at least. Good morning. It's Tuesday, October 10th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We start this morning in Toronto where about 60 asylum seekers who had been sleeping outside of a homeless service centre in Toronto were given temporary lodging at a church in Etobicoke. The people were transported by coach bus, reports the unbindlined article from Radio Canada. The folks were comprised of 40 men and 22 women, and they had been camping out in front of 129 Peter Street. The facilities were made possible thanks to a partnership between a pastor named Eddie Jujumba and a Korean church called the Pilgrim Feast Tabernacles in Etobicoke. Jumbo said that finding the space for everyone was quote-unquote a miracle. Pilgrim Feast Tabernacles has been offering spaces for migrants to stay since the start of August. There are about 50 people already staying there. They accepted people after another church was forced to close down their own facility that had been housing migrants. The city gave them $100,000 to help house people. Radio Canada talked with Muenza Merdu, who had been sleeping outside for three days. She wanted to get on that bus because she found it too difficult to sleep outside, as it was too cold. About 40% of Toronto's 9,122 shelter beds are occupied by people who are seeking asylum. Next to Edmonton, where a junior C hockey player said that he's quote-unquote lucky to be alive after having been kicked in the head and neck by another player. That player was wearing his skates and sliced open the player's neck. CTV's Sean Amato reports that, quote, the player's parents believe and the referee ruled, unquote, that the kick was intentional. Which, honestly, those details should be enough for the journalist to just say that the player was kicked in the head and it was apparently intentional. He instead wrote, quote, after his neck was sliced open by a hockey stick in extremely and unnecessarily passive writing. The player to whom all of this happened is Richie Campo. He's 20 years old and plays for the Junior Braves in the Noralta Junior C Hockey League. After the attack, Campo was sure that he was dying. It takes quite a while in the article to actually name the player who attacked Compo, Rather than, you know, starting with this information or not using the passive voice that Compo just happened to have his neck slashed, you have to get to the second part of the article before you find out that it was Nate Plant of the Southwest Zone Oil Kings. The Oil Kings were up four points in the game before the attack, which happened with less than one minute left in the game. Plant was suspended for three games and has a discipline hearing. Edmonton police wouldn't comment beyond saying that they're investigating a quote unquote alleged assault. Now, to news that dominated media this past weekend Hamas launched a military campaign against Israel, and Israel has responded with bombs. Here's a roundup of where the news was as of last night. The Times of Israel is reporting that Jerusalem has been turned into a ghost city. People have cleared out of the streets, schools and stores have been closed. The attack carried out by Hamas took Israel completely by surprise, and the Times is reporting that only a handful of leaders within Hamas knew about the plans until it happened. Ali Barakeh, who is exiled in Beirut, said that while Hezbollah has helped Hamas in the past... Since 2014, Hamas has been training its own fighters and creating its own rockets. Nearly 1,000 Israelis were killed. As of yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu said that Israel's attacks will reverberate within Gaza, quote, for generations, unquote. He said that they were forced into this, quote, in the most brutal and savage way, unquote, though he doesn't mention how Israel controls Gaza and the movements of every person who lives there. Israeli rockets hit 1,707 targets in Gaza since Saturday. This article doesn't, though others in the Times of Israel do note that Netanyahu has a history of actually Supporting Hamas and favoring Hamas to work with over other Palestinian representative groups. Now to news reported by Al Jazeera. Israeli missiles bomb the Jabalia refugee camp north of Gaza City, killing dozens of people. UNHRA facilities have been turned into shelters for hundreds of displaced families. Hamas's Qassam Brigades is holding about 150 Israelis as hostages and has promised to kill one for every attack Israel carries out against Gaza. Israel is banning food and fuel from entering Gaza and no one is allowed to leave. They have also cut electricity and people are afraid of a ground invasion. These all constitute war crimes under international law as collective punishment is not allowed in retaliation to an attack. The latest death toll within Gaza is just under 700 people. The UN reports that more than 187,518 Palestinians have fled their homes. Mohamed Sob and Saeed El-Tawil, two journalists with the Turkish Andalu Agency, were killed in an attack on a residential building yesterday. With Israel's far-right government in power and a year of very high casualties within Palestine, it has certainly seemed like it was a question of time before things exploded there. And Israel, the side with the power, the nuclear weapons, the one that is stealing Palestinian land through its settlements, they are the ones that need to be held accountable. That's not a radical statement. Not even Russia has occupied a part of Ukraine in the way that Israel has occupied Gaza for generations. But have our politicians, the ones who say they love justice, condemned the occupation? No. Not at all. And in fact, in English media, it's just stated as fact that this is an attack on Israel by the savage and hateful Hamas and that Israel's retaliatory actions are necessary. But we do have Hadio Canada, who published an article called Canada's Political Class Shows Its Support for Israel. The article explains that Trudeau strongly condemns the attack by Hamas. Of course, Pierre Polyever reminded everyone that it's important for Canada to maintain consular services for anyone who is currently in Israel and that Israel has a right to defend itself. Deputy Premier Christian Freeland spoke at a rally in support of Israel in Toronto. Both Toronto Mayor Olivia Chow and Ottawa Mayor Mark Sutcliffe participated in events supporting Israel. And Chow, disappointingly, confusingly, surprisingly, I'm not sure, She issued a press release saying that a Palestinian rally that was planned in Toronto didn't have permission to happen and linked Palestinian activists and supporters with Hamas. And Sijia, Vice President Richard Marceau, condemned the rally supporting Palestine, which he twisted into being rallies held to quote-unquote applaud the murder of Israelis. True to the article's headline, there was no mention of any Canadian politician who took a more critical position on Israel's occupation of Gaza. But don't be fooled, media has played a very important role in enforcing this political consensus about Israel. Global News' Phil Haydenreich reported that MRG Sohi, the mayor of Edmonton, tweeted something that quote-unquote led to debate. The first paragraph of the article said that Sohi's comments drew quote, sharp criticism as well as support. Okay, okay, so what was Sohi's comment that was so debatable, criticizable, and supportable? Get ready for it. Here's what he tweeted, quote, When events unfold across the globe, they can have a deep impact on people who live in our city. The attacks taking place in Israel and Gaza targeting innocent civilians are horrific. I know that many Edmontonians have friends and family in these areas, and I am extending my support and empathy to them. We stand with you and we share in your hope for a just and lasting peace in the region, unquote. I'm sorry, but what exactly is debatable in this statement that the civilians weren't innocent, that the events weren't horrific, that no support and empathy should be extended to people with family in Israel and Palestine? Well, Adam Zepp from the Jewish Federation of Edmonton said that his comments were, quote unquote, unacceptable because... Well, uh, actually, he doesn't really say why. He just says this, quote, I think for an elected official in Canada to make a statement like that, it's disgusting. Anything that normalizes and whitewashes that forms any sort of equivalence, moral or otherwise, is extremely harmful, unquote. Zep said that the attack against Israelis felt like attack against all of us, unquote. Zepp is correct that there is no moral or otherwise equivalence to what Israel is doing to Palestine right now. That is objectively true. They're the side with all the power. And so, yes, drawing equivalencies between the two sides is impossible. But I don't think that that's what Zepp means. Hayden Reich also quotes Duane Brett, a professor of political science at Mount Royal University. And I'll end by quoting him entirely because it is a very helpful quote. Here it is. I think some of it is legitimate in the sense of they're looking at the repression of the Palestinian people for decades going back to 1947 war, or especially the creation of Gaza and the West Bank after the Yom Kippur War. And even though Israeli forces have left Gaza, it remains what Palestinians and their sympathizers call an open air prison. They're basically blockading. There's a wall and a security perimeter preventing them from getting into Israel proper. They're surrounded by the Mediterranean on one side and the Egyptian border on the other. The levels of poverty, the density of the population is horrendous. So there has been ongoing sympathy for the Palestinian people for a long period of time. But, he adds, we need to separate that from Hamas. Hamas is a terror group. They're listed as a terror group by Canada and many other countries, and so Hamas didn't come out Saturday and attack military installations and government installations in Israel. They targeted civilians and indiscriminately killed civilians. Unquote. And finally, the death toll of the massive earthquake that hit Afghanistan this past weekend is almost 3,000 people. The Guardian is reporting that people are sleeping amid rubble and shoveling out debris in the hope of finding anybody. There have been several quakes that were 5.9, 4.9 and 4.7 magnitude that followed Saturday's 6.3 magnitude quake. After the main quake, it was followed by eight aftershocks, and it hit the capital city of Herat and surrounding areas. Taliban officials have said that at least 20 villages were completely flattened. Earthquakes are common in Afghanistan, reports The Guardian, especially in the Hindu Kush mountain range. But the Taliban, quote, lack experience in handling natural disasters, unquote. This lack of experience combined with the remoteness of Herat has made rescue efforts extremely difficult. Herat province is located along the border with Iran. There are more than 3 million people who live there and drought has destroyed the livelihoods of many of the province's residents. Those are your headlines for Tuesday, October 10th. It is Tuesday. That means it's Sandy and Nora Day. New episode is coming out in a couple of hours and we will get right into what is happening in Palestine and in Israel and in Canada. And I think you'll... Mm, enjoy, not the right word. You'll find it useful. And also, sorry for yesterday. I took the day off by accident. I went to bed on Sunday night and realized, oh, I didn't prepare for tomorrow morning. So I got to sleep in. I hope that was okay. I'm sure that you will all say, of course it was. And that uh, here we are back and with a new Sandy Noor episode coming up soon. Hope you have a great Tuesday.